Okay, we are outside our adjoining podcast homes right now for for Meet the Neighbors. Uh, this is what Maximum Fun is all about, the, the friendly camaraderie, the network of good people building good podcasts together. I'm John Moe. I'm the host of Depression Mode with John Moe. It was titled that after we chose to start it. It's not like there was a show called Depression Mode with John Moe, and I was the obvious host because <laughs> I had that name. That tracks, yeah. Uh, this is J. Keith Van Stratton, and uh, who's that with me? Hi, this is Helen Hong. We're the host of Go Fact Yourself on Max Fun. I think we came up with Go Fact Yourself. It wasn't called that. Uh, it was actually called something, I, I think it was called Untitled Game Show Podcast before that. <laughs> with so, Helen the Hong. The News Hour yeah. with Jim Lehrer. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, it was called The News Hour with Helen Hong and J. Keith Van Stratton, and then we were yeah. like, wait a minute. <laughs> Wait, we don't do news, and sometimes we go more than an hour. But no, we're we're very very happy to uh, to talk with you, John. It, it's funny we were, we were talking a little bit before about even though uh, we're primarily a comedy and uh, trivia podcast, that uh, mental health issues, which is what your podcast focuses on, comes up all the time, no matter no matter what, with all sorts of unexpected guests uh, and experts <laughs> that we have on our show. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's something about the idea of. I know, I'll record myself and then present myself to the world as someone who should be listened to. And then once I'm talking, I'll share all my secrets and vulnerabilities. (laughs) I think it's a huge, I think there's a lot of overlap on the Venn diagram of a mental health podcast like mine and uh, comedy trivia. Is is trivia an okay word to use? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Because it sounds like trivializing, but that's a different thing entirely. Right. No. Well, we we, okay. we 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 generally say that we quiz people. We, I guess we say we write a trivia quiz. But uh, you know, okay. when we the premise of our show is that we have two celebrity guests, and they each tell us a few topics that they know about outside their field of work, and then we pick one of them to celebrate their knowledge and and have this trivia quiz about it. And while mm-hmm. a lot of the times that stuff is fun, you know, pop culture things from their life. It, it, it very quickly it became people listing things like here's a movie I love here's a TV show oh and also treatment resistant depression is a topic I know <laughs> a lot about or you know how to deal with a surly teenager or stuff like that oh boy yeah no I I talk with a lot of people from comedy it started as a sort of very specifically just about depression mm-hmm. and just about comedians uh, with the the show I did before, The Hilarious World of Depression, which is also the name of the a memoir that I had that came out last mm. year. And uh, it was specifically targeted that way because I have worked in comedy uh, a fair amount in in public radio, which is, you know, as we, as everybody knows, is hilarious. As um, depressing as it gets. Yeah, yeah as depressing <laughs> in its attempts at comedy. No, but I had hosted a show called Wits. It was a variety show with music and comedy. And so I got to know a lot of comedians. And I, I sort of noticed how many of them had a history, either that they explained to me or that they had explained on stage. There was so much overlap, I think, especially among the ones who I was drawn to who I ended up booking. And so when I when I had the thought to do a mental health podcast, I thought, well, you know, I could call someone from the Mayo Clinic who could walk me through the circuitry in the brain that, you know, where depression shows up, or I could talk with therapists very, you know, sincerely and soberly because I, you know, I've done public radio. I can, I have a sincere, sober voice. But I thought, you know, who are people going to download more? Are they going to download an expert from Mayo Clinic or Maria Bamford? Because if it's Maria Bamford, I'm downloading that instantly. Yeah. And is there really a difference between those two? Well, yeah. 
But honestly, you know, there's not as much of a difference as one might think because, you know, someone like Maria or Patton Oswald, who I've had on, on this show, a bunch of these people, they can phrase the experience of something that is hard to phrase in such mm. a way that it's very resonant. So, you know, if you hear Patton talking about wanting to kill himself in a frozen food aisle while Toto's Africa played, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's relatable and and it hits people in a really sincere way and and it's a, such a relief for people to hear that they they kind of laugh as like a oh you know like an exhale that comes out as a laugh that they're not alone in going through this and i think we're too we're we're in a period where even when i started kind of making this the focus of my work like 5 or 6 years ago there wasn't nearly as many people openly talking about a diagnosed mental illness or mm. just like a persistent mental obstacle or darkness that they have to grapple with. Like there was, everybody was just kind of uh, going along and acting like everything's fine. fine. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Helen, as a, as a working comic, you know, a lot of these people. And a lot of times when we talk about how are things on the road, especially in the last year, it's inevitable that people are going to talk about the struggles that they've had and about uh, having to cope with things. A hundred percent. I mean, the stand-up comedy lifestyle is certainly not conducive to good mental health. <laughs> and I think I think you're right. I think there's something inherently – the Venn diagram is almost a circle on top of a circle <laughs> yes. of comics who have mental health issues. I think there's something inherent about that industry that draws people who are – creative and and have a lot of uh, mental health issues and I know I do and a, a lot of my comic friends do and I I love that we're in a time now where we can talk about that stuff openly and there are resources to us and it is kind of like a a well-known thing now that like a lot of comics are the most depressed yeah. people you know yeah. And that's one of the kind of one of the the nastiest tricks about depression and anxiety and other mental illnesses is that it makes you feel like you're terminally unique that you know only only yes. you can go through this and nobody no and also you know the, the comparing of yourself to others and so so much so much of that it, it's such a relief just to hear people talk about it and and just to yeah. know that there's help out there and that people who who people can have success and still struggle and still cope and you know and that it's ongoing and it, like I said it's interesting how inevitable it is that those kind of issues come up and that it's so great to be able to laugh with people about it. Uh -huh. And on our show, even if people aren't necessarily, you know, saying I'm an expert on, you know, <laughs> depressant, <laughs> antidepressants or psychotherapy, which, again, have been actual topics that, have, that people have suggested. Yep. It, it's still, you know, when, when people are willing to be honest and vulnerable about why they choose a topic, what it means to them. So often it's I was at a point in my life where things weren't going well and this piece of culture saved mm. me or, you know, having something that I could relate to. And then, you know, these moments where on our show where we bring on a surprise expert for people in their topic, a lot of times can be very emotional. And, and that was something we weren't yeah. kind of expecting when we first planned the show. We thought like, oh, it's going to be a fun sort of celebration, which it often is and is great. But those moments where someone gets a chance, we, we just had this on our, on our episode we did this week, where somebody can say thank you for creating this thing that allowed me to feel more like myself or feel like I wasn't alone. Like I, was I get chills thing? just talking about it. Um, I can't mention this last week's episode because it, 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 won't, it won't be out just yet. But we've okay. had the one that comes to mind uh, is one that I think is going to be playing during this block party radio show that Max fun is doing um where we had uh dulce sloan uh talking about what uh star trek deep space nine meant to her do i, uh -huh. do I have the right star trek helen because i know you you know me they're all the same to me correct <laughs> okay yeah and uh it's we the had, one with darth vader i believe 
Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm hanging up on both of you. He plays Quidditch or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, <thanks. laughs> uh, no, but we, you know, she was talking about what it meant to her family and how much chaos there was in the family. But that, you know, whenever it was that Sunday, they all came together to, to do this and how, how it was one of the things that they could really bond on. And then we brought on Nana Visitor, who, you know, an, an actor yeah. from the show. And for right. her to be able to say that to Nana and for Nana to be able to say, oh, my God, that's why I do this. And it means so much oh. to me that it meant to you. I mean, th- those moments, I mean, we, uh, you know, it, that's it, so it, wonderful. We, we are primarily a, a silly comedy quiz show but you know to, to have moments when when people can can really get to that that real emotion and and express that it, it's very touching it's it's not something we expected well i i think you 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 hit on a couple things that that i've been hearing a lot i mean especially about the the putting into words and putting out into the world this thing you haven't been able to name i think yeah. of we just had janet varney another one of our neighbors from maximum fun mm-hmm. on our show and and we talked a lot about a disorder that she she has that she's got pretty well managed now, but it's called depersonalization derealization disorder, and it's a it's a mouthful. But basically, what it means is that you get this sudden sense that you are in somebody else's body, and you don't Ooh. know whose. It's it's basically being John Malkovich. And you also don't know what's real in the world and what's not. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it can be a result of trauma. It could be re- a result of you know, history of drug use. It could be a lot of things. It could just be like stress building up. And I read about the- Janet having this. And I realized, oh, this was the thing that happened to me when I was eight years old that I tried to explain to people at the time and they didn't understand it. So I stopped and I said, well, clearly I'm the only one this has ever happened to. Mm. And I kept it a secret until like a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Wow. And, and, and then I realized, it was like, oh, this thing has a name. And, and so often, you know, the, the idea of, uh, you know, we always say, take, take solace in the fact that you're not so special. Right. Um, <laughs> whatever you're going through, Google it. You'll find probably a, several books on that exact topic Mm -hmm. it's uh and i think i think there's a a willingness to to kind of get out there and two you know helen what you do well what comedians do well in general is you know saying i mean it's the old cliche they're they're saying what we're all thinking right Mm -hmm. um and so and so good comedians can put that phrasing in place it's funny though i mentioned to years ago when i first started doing this, I mentioned to Patton Oswalt, like, okay, there are more comedians that are depressed than other people. And he said, I don't think that's true. He said, I think there's just as many depressed dentists as there are depressed comedians or depressed accountants. But if your dentist was talking about suicidal ideation, it would be very bad for business. <laughs> and, but then I've heard other people say, you know, no, this is like, Depressed people uh, are drawn to this. Dana Gould told me it's it's the perfect setup for a depressed person because, or an anxious person, somebody with an anxiety disorder, because you go out there on stage, you know what you're going to say, you know mm. what tends to get a laugh, mm. you know what your best stuff is and how to pace it out. Other people generally aren't supposed to talk to you, and if they do, it's transgressive and they can hopefully get kicked out. And then, you know, so, so there's no variables. There's no, you know, none of the terror of everyday small talk and interaction. 
And then when you're done, you go back to the hotel and you drink vodka alone. So it's an, a win-win proposition <laughs> yeah. for depressed I, that, I, comedians. Yeah, I think that's absolutely accurate. And, uh, and and also, like, I think people who are drawn to doing stand-up particularly are they're they're you know what I mean like they work alone we work alone yeah. it's just us we we're not an improv troupe we don't need anybody thank else. god <laughs> <laughs> do you think you got into it uh because of depression and anxiety were you drawn to comedy because of that i think i was drawn to comedy because i i moved around a lot as a kid and and as you know that humor is a classic defense mechanism and yeah. they say that a lot about people who moved around as a kid you use humor to deflect and you know, try to fit in with the new place that you're going to. Yeah, there is something that I was drawn to about the isolated nature because I've done improv and I'm like, oh, no, I need to <laughs> I need to be friends with these people and a team oh. with these people. Oh, no. High Ew. energy and, and <laughs> jumping. And I no. think for me, it's like what's so great is like, there, you know, I've been doing talk show and game show and kind of hosting stuff for, you know, 25 plus years. And for yeah. me, it, I love having an excuse and a reason to talk to someone because a lot of my anxiety is this sort of social anxiety of, oh, I don't have permission to, to talk to somebody. I don't have permission to be here. So, yeah. you know, when I when I invite someone and they say yes to being on the show, that means I get to talk to them. And that means <laughs> I have a reason to talk to them. So, you know, these these great celebrities that we've been able to get on the show, you know, we had like Joe Montaigne was, was an expert on our show for, for one of our subjects. It's like, I've always wanted to talk to Joe Montaigne. If sure. I ran into Joe Montaigne, I wouldn't just strike up a conversation. Right. But the fact that he's there, well, first of all, he, you, you can pretty much just wind up Joe Montaigne and, and, you know, just let him go. You don't need to jump in with much conversation. Conversation, uh, and I mean that in the best possible way. But for me, that's what's so great is you know I have this I have an excuse to talk with people about uh, the stuff that they love, and and you know when it's someone that I admire a lot, also you know there there was definitely a point as we were booking the show where as much as I want to try to get guests that I think our listeners are going to want, at some point I was just like, who do I want to hear? Like who do I want to talk right? to? And so yeah. you know we, we actually did an all a sort of a Minnesota themed episode. I know you're you're there where we had uh, yeah. uh, Trace Beaulieu from uh, Mystery Science Theater, and sure. we wanted to pair with someone and I'm a huge fan of Jonathan Brooke, a Minnesota musician who I've been following for decades. And uh -huh. it's like, here's my excuse to talk with Jonathan. So, you there know, you again, go. I wouldn't just call her up and say, hey, can we Zoom for a couple hours on a Wednesday afternoon? But, uh, <laughs> well, what if we record it and we do trivia about a Twitter right. account about a cow that you enjoy? And um, I'll record it and then yeah. that'll be my job. <laughs> exactly. And let people in and then maybe we'll have a couple ads for, you know, cereal on it. Um, <laughs> so, like, that that kind of stuff is is, is what I find very satisfying. And, I you know, I, I love this. I, I love of that, that kind of conversation and, and working off of people and getting getting to ask stuff that you know that uh, I've always wanted to know and so oh, yeah. um, you know to, to be able to also provide that for other people because a lot of times we have topics where like you know there are plenty of topics where it's like oh my god I'm so glad that we get to do this topic because I want to know about it and there's yeah. other times where it's like I have no interest in this but l l I'm gonna let you two go at it um, yeah. you know or we we finally did a Star Trek Next Generation topic which I know is one of Helen's favorite shows and mm -hmm. if she if she were a guest on our show would be one of her topics so uh, <laughs> we did one when we had we had uh, Denise Crosby. Uh, come on as our as our Star Trek Next Generation expert, and I just kind of sat back and, yeah. and let let and let the nerds have at it, which is which, which is and great. That's, uh, that's Tasha Yar, am I correct? Uh, yes, of course. Okay, Absolutely I needed to redeem right. myself to Helen. I, I so can now say I, feel good. I can say yes, but if you had asked me uh, two days before we had booked her, I would not have known anything about it. And that's one one of the other things I've, I just if this I can is add one of on. our biggest yeah. points of contention yeah. between Jay Keith and is I. That, is I have never not... seen any episode of any Star Trek and Helen, wow. which yes. which let's face it is a character wow. flaw. Jay Keith, come on, just admit. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's like that's deliberate. Like that's a choice that <laughs> at you've some made. point it is. I admit it's at yeah, some point it's like. 
That's how, a how quickly can I tell everyone that I'm a vegan? I mean, it's kind yeah, of it's kind right, of the right. same similar thing. Let me tell but, you about atheism. Yeah. and also Amway. Yeah, and and my <laughs> fantasy football team. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that I think that the messages of our show that that we try to get out there is that we have no judgment about what people love. Like we're there to celebrate what uh, and find out why people love what they love. But the, the example I always use is we did an episode where we had uh, Frank Conniff, also from MST3K, and uh, Courtney Hengler, who's on um, Cobra Kai, and uh, Frank. The topic we ended up doing for Frank was about like JFK's role in, you know, post-war world relations or something like that. Uh Um, And Courtney's was uh, Beverly Hills 90210. And (laughs) (laughs) for for Frank, we had a Pulitzer winning uh, historian from Harvard University. And for Courtney, we had Ian Ziering. And we took both segments with exactly equal seriousness. Of course. Oh, that's wonderful. So that's the kind of thing. Yeah. It's funny, like the, the idea of selecting the things you're passionate about. Like I, I am a big believer in that when people say, Hey, what can I do to, you know, to address my depression, like address mm-hmm. either my diagnosed condition or what just, you know, the the because I, I think in, in the world we're living in today, the emotion of depression is not irrational. It just means your brain is working because mm-hmm. right. oh my God, all the time. But you know, people say, Well, what what works? What's what's gonna fix it for me? Even today somebody said, How do I cure this? And I always say, Well, if there's something that took care of it for everybody, we'd all do it and there wouldn't be a problem. But instead it's all trial and error. You know, like I might respond to one med that somebody else, like it's disastrous or I I might, you know, not jive with one type of talk therapy, somebody else it's epiphany after epiphany. What I also recommend though, is finding the weird stuff that you're Mm. way into and you don't know why it works, but it does. So in my book, I detailed how, you know, here are all the things I've tried. Here's the you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. And here's my experiences with that. I say, but, you know, when I really need to turn a day around, Bigfoot videos on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yep. one after another. Just there are no guilty pleasures. There's only pleasure. There's, There's only no guilt. pleasure. <laughs> and people are like, well, does that mean you believe in Bigfoot? I'm like, that's beside the point. I just yeah. love the videos. Yeah. We mentioned that one of Helen's topics would be Star Trek uh, Next Generation. One of my topics would be musical called Next to Normal, uh, which is about a, a, a woman dealing with depression and how it affects her family. And, and uh, okay. there's a great line that I always I think about where she, she's seeing a therapist and he's talking about all the different methods. And she says, not a very exact science, is it? And uh, <laughs> that's 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 exactly it. You yeah. know, there it's funny. We you know people have been people who have been dealing with depression for a long time. You know, had this sort of wish that there would be a magic pill, and then we got a magic pill, and now it turns out there's a bunch of different magic pills, and you have to figure out which magic pill <laughs> right. and at what dose and in what combination, and then you also might still have to do some other stuff too. Yeah, it's like, and you know, some the, of them might make you suicidal. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> or sleepy, or fat, and yeah. who cares? Who knows you know, it's, what's going to yeah. happen? It's John. I'm curious lot. if you were a guest on our show, which hopefully you will be uh, sometime. Uh, do, you have an, do, you, do you have an inkling of what what maybe your three topics would be? That would be the ones we might quiz you on. Okay, is, is there are the topics divided into categories? Just anything from your world. Any, anything at all. We, we generally, when we solicit topics from guests, we ask that one of them be something from pop culture and that one of them not be something from pop culture. Okay. Just so we have a little bit, little bit of variety. Oh, and it also can't be related to your work. Right. Okay. Not exactly. Right. Okay. Um, well, I guess Bigfoot would be, would be one of them. <clears throat> oh, okay. wow. The legend that is Sasquatch. I grew up, okay. like I, I live in Minnesota now, grew up in Seattle and I lived in the Seattle area uh, till 2008. Wow. 
And Bigfoot country. Bigfoot country, totally. And then I moved to Minnesota, which was funny, but I moved to St. Paul, Minnesota, which is clever. And um, <laughs> But no, I, I grew up convinced that a Bigfoot was just going to storm into my suburban Seattle home and <gasps> and and hit me. And not even like try to kill me, but mm-hmm. not be nice either. Just like, just punch me a few times and then leave. <laughs> I don't know how I settled on that middle ground. So Bigfoot is one of them. Okay. Um, I would say the geography of Norway would be another. Oh, wow. Because, Why? Uh, well, my, my parents immigrated from Norway and I've been over there a few times. Most recently in 2018, I brought my wife and my kids there. And yeah. and uh, it's just such a crazy place in terms of geography and topography, you know, with the fjords and the names and the mountains and a lot everything. Of places for a Bigfoot to hide. It really would be, um, and it just—it's sort of like it's a very serious place, but it's also inherently whimsical. So I kind of mm-hmm. I kind of mm-hmm. gravitate to that, and okay. so I don't. I guess that's my non-pop culture one. Bigfoot sort of straddles. So yeah. I'll go with uh, I'll go with a more straight up. Uh, uh, how about hair metal bands of the '80s and '90s? Oh, how about great? Yeah, like non deep, uh, non like the the stuff that grunge obliterated. And okay, you know, like I'm, like like Warrant and Def Leppard, like or Warrant, that... Def Leppard. You know, your your Poison. I put Bon Jovi in there because. Mm-hmm. If you checked out those dues, when I was in high school, this is probably where it all stems from. I went to the Paramount Theater in Seattle, and for $3.50, you got to see two bands nobody had ever heard of. And it was uh, Rat and Bon Jovi. Wow. What? Yeah. Not bad. And then me and my friend smoked pot on the floor of the theater during the concert and got told not to, but not arrested by a cop, <laughs> which was my wow. first, which was John's first brush with white privilege. It was really amazing. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. Uh, I have one connection to Poison, which is that they did the song "Something to Believe In." Right? Mm-hmm. Wasn't that their big, their big ballad? Uh, I, I was into that song so much when it came out. I bought the sheet music for it. <laughs> <laughs> the most Not the metal 45. thing you could do. Were Not you gonna single. play? Were you gonna play it on your oboe, Jinky? <laughs> <or? laughs> I think I had an idea that I would sing it in chorus oh, or yeah. for the talent show or something. Right. Uh, People would really because... give it give poison a second chance. Yeah. And I was trying to think, like, can I get away with the sign says Jesus saves? Because I was not uncom- I was not comfortable with the word Jesus coming out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> but I never I never got to that point. But somewhere in my garage, probably in a in a folio, is, is the is the, uh, the sheet music of something to believe. I in. wonder. Imagine what it would fetch on eBay now. Oh my God. Oh. So, uh, Upwards of 98 cents. I don't know. It's up there. It's up there. Uh, John, speaking of our little crossover that we're doing yes. today, I understand that you actually prepared a quiz for us. I, You know, I got excited about this, and uh, I'm a fan of things that are uh, – I'm, I'm a fan of both the history of the treatment of mental illness, and I'm a fan of things that, that are funny, even though they're extremely sad and dark. And so I, I use this moment uh, to prepare a quiz for you. And, oh, uh, lovely. And so I guess the way this will work is uh, if if you get it right, then you get a point. And if you don't get it right, then I get a point. So this, okay. this is – but there's two of you, so you can consult. Right. All right. Oh, good. Okay, good. So here's here's how this – So we're, we're operating as a team. Yes. 
And so I have, I have three multiple choice questions for you. Okay. And here's how it works. I will give you the name of an antiquated psychiatric treatment, a way mm-hmm. that some people thought was a really good idea to treat mental illness. Treat might be a bit of a misleading word here. Yeah. And, and also what they thought was mental illness yes, could also be yeah, misleading from exactly. history. Exactly. Sure. I know. Yeah. Basically, at one point, just being a woman pretty much qualified. Yeah. <laughs> or being a woman who said something. So I will then give you three possible definitions of that term, that treatment, your job to tell me which one is the correct one. Oh, great. How fun. Okay. Sounds fair. So the first term, rotational therapy. Mm. Rotational therapy. So A, rotational therapy is making sure that a patient never stays in one location all day, but rotates to various rooms in a house or asylum to reinvigorate the blood. Mm. So that's it. Like one of those progressive potluck parties. Yeah. Yeah. So B, rotational therapy is positioning the patient so that they are always facing toward the sun. They're rotating over the course of the day so that the light could burn off the ill humors or possible demonic possession. Oh, that's good. That might still be true. Yeah. One does need to get rid of the ill humor. Yes, yes. Rotational therapy C is just spinning people around super fast. Oh, man. I'm, I'm leaning toward that one, Jake Keith. Yeah, that sounds, I mean, so we have that definitely mi- sounds like the, yeah, people might think like, oh, you got you to spin around and, and, and recalibrate the brain. Or the centrifugal mm-hmm. forces somehow are going to make the bad stuff go to the edges. They fling yeah. the ill humors. Just, yeah. They just fly off the body. Right. I got to compliment you, John. They all sound very plausible. But yeah, yeah I'll go with, I think I'm going to go. Tragically, I'm going to go with Helen on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with Helen on. There is no D all of the above, right? There is not. Okay. Then I think Helen and I are, are in agreement. We're going to go with C, uh, rotating the body around and in, in Spinning in people super fast. Spinning people super mm-hmm. fast. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Early 1800s, Erasmus Darwin, grandfather of Charles Darwin, developed the technique based on too much faith in centrifugal force. Oh, he he proposed that excessive spinning would lessen what he called brain congestion. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. By by increasing the pressure on the brain, it would just what? like wow, you know, like a well, it definitely bottle. gets you to focus. It definitely gets you to focus on something else, which yeah. is vomiting, <laughs> I presume. Yes, yay, yay for us and boo yeah. for those poor <laughs> yeah. patients. Oh god, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know it's basically so. Anytime you go to like a fair or a carnival, you have a chance yeah. to participate in rotational therapy. <laughs> That's right. And yet, I try to get uh, Blue Shield to pay for my tickets to Magic Mountain, and they they will not. <laughs> they will not abide. Yeah. And his grandson said, perhaps I can evolve this treatment. Ooh. Ah. No, you know what he did? He took the R off of revolve. Ah. Nice. Got nice. it going. Nice. Nice. All right. So pretty good. You're up one to nothing over me. Woohoo. All right. Thank you. Second term, mesmerism. Mm. M-E-S-M-E-R-I-S-M. Mesmerism. Okay. Mesmerism definition A. A patient was lulled into a relaxed state and then shouted at suddenly to frighten the demons. Love it. There's a lot of demons in these old treatments. I do this to Jay Keith all the time during our recordings. (laughs) All right. B, 
mesmerism. A patient is administered high doses of iron and then treated with a series of large metal rods in order to magnetically extract the madness. Oh, oh. oh. Where, where are they treated with those rods? Oh, uh, in in an asylum, presumably. Oh, I meant I meant where on the body, but oh, I think it's best if we don't body. think about that. Up and oh, down okay. the body. Like oh, like a, okay. like a like an airport wand. Yeah, pretty oh, much. Big wheel. TSA thing. Okay. okay. Definition C, mesmerism is basically another term for memorization. Patients mm. were given selections from the Bible to memorize. If the madness and demons weren't eradicated, they were given more Bible passages to memorize. Oh, interesting. All, all sound equally cruel. Yes. Um, <laughs> my instinct, Helen, is for A, because I know there was someone named Mesmer who did who who did sort of mentalismy type techniques on people that mm-hmm. involved it involved it involved people getting into a trance. We we do a segment on our show called What's the Difference? And I think it's been even yeah. suggested as a category of what's the difference between um, mesmerizing and hypnotizing. So yeah, I think I'm it's gonna, in I'm gonna defer to you, J. Keith, because I frankly don't really have an inclination yeah. uh, in okay. any other way. So the, yeah. the so lulling I'm gonna, and I'm gonna shouting. Yeah, more the lull, the shouting part. I'm not as sure, but the lulling part. If if it's a phony, it's a very it's a very good tricky phony. So yeah, we'll go with a. All right. Well, Franz Friedrich Anton Mesmer was indeed a real person and an Austrian physician and theologian, which is again mm-hmm. always a great comedy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he believed that the body was controlled by magnetic fields, and so wow. he had his patients consume iron, and then Aww. treated them with the metal rods. And Rats. in fact, he liked to make a bit of a show of it. Mesmer would sometimes wear extravagant purple robes to the procedure and claimed that beyond madness, he could also cure blindness. But King Louis Sixteenth created a royal commission of scientists, including the then U.S. ambassador to France, Benjamin Franklin, that debunked Mesmer's claims. Oh. oh, that part was cut from Hamilton, unfortunately. Yes. Wow. And of course, in true charlatan fashion, he waited briefly and then just kept doing it. Because yeah. people, <laughs> yeah. people would go along. Why, why let pesky things like facts get in the way of a good right? show? Yes, exactly. All right. Okay. So uh, it's a tie, I guess. So this is yes, oh, point for you. This nice. is for nice. all the good bluff on that one for both the marbles. Um, okay. All right. So the final final term extraction. Mm. Extraction. Mm. So this referred to A, removing a patient from their home to rid the patient's system of all environmental factors and subsequently burning the house to the ground. Oh, okay. There's the twist. I was like, this this sounds like rehab for the first part of it. I think I've seen this. I've seen this on intervention. B, extraction. Pulling rotten teeth because infections were believed to be the cause of all mental illness. And if removing the teeth didn't solve it, they just kept pulling other stuff. <laughs> that, sounds, that does sound like science. And I mean, okay. It's pretty good. All right, no, go ahead. One more to okay. go. One I want more to, to go. Know the third one. Yeah. All right. C, portions of the skull were extracted so fresh oh. air could get in and cure the brain infections. Right, because wow. the brain, the brain just is screaming for fresh air. Yeah, all of these sound really familiar. Yes. Well, um, extractions are still what teeth pulling is called today. Right. Which makes me think that's not what that is. Right. We're doing a little but, game theory here. Like, yeah, yeah that sounds like something he wants time, us to go for. I mean, maybe it How is. How clever do you ex- think I am? Maybe it is the tooth thing because you know modern day extractions have nothing to do with 
the rotting of the brain. Right. I definitely have heard of of mm. early pseudoscience, like removing parts of removing things and removing parts of the brain, but removing parts yeah. of the skull does not sound that familiar. Like I don't I don't feel like they believe the skull held you know held uh, the ill humors or whatever whatever it was. No, so I, I do think, think so. One. I do you think do? so okay. because. Uh, you know, like I know about phrenology was a thing oh, right. where, they, where they were like, oh. If you could change the shape of the skull, right. maybe yeah. the, the other on the head. This, yeah. Right. Yeah, this person is right. problematic. Well, Helen, we went with my instinct on the last one. We saw how that turned mm. out. So let's go with, let's go with yours oh, on this one. Oh, rats. Do you need to yeah, hear I them mean, again or are you okay? What, what's the first one again? First one is removing the patient from their home and then burning the home. No, it's, nah, that's it's definitely too mild. It's yeah. not that one for sure. <laughs> And also so because like, a lot of these targeted rich people, and so like I can't imagine that <laughs> right. like the rich parents or you know the rich spouse yeah. would agree to that their house get burned down. So I don't think okay. it's that one. B yeah, is I'm the gonna, yeah, I, extraction. Yeah, I'm leaning towards C. I'm leaning towards C, J. Keith, because okay. you know as we know, uh, it was just the the times were just they were just barbaric. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know I'm thinking. I'm thinking, thinking removing of the skull is something right. that they yeah they would have been that. like yeah let's do it. Well, okay. you know, it, I, I some some good news and some bad news here. Oh boy! <clears throat> so yes, there was a practice of removing portions of the skull in order to relieve madness, but it's referred to as trepanation, not Aww. extraction. Darn. Uh, the correct answer is B. The removing the of the rotten teeth. Henry Cotton. Drat. Henry Cotton was the superintendent in New Jersey's Trenton State Hospital from 1907 to 1930 and believed that everything came from infections. And apparently in early 20th century New Jersey, there's a lot of rotten teeth you could take out. <laughs> when that didn't work, Cotton began removing tonsils. And then if that didn't work, he took it a step further, removing parts of stomachs, small intestines, appendices, gall what? gallbladders, thyroid glands, and particular parts of the colon. Anywhere it was thought that an infection could linger, it didn't turn out to be a reliable cure and was discontinued. <laughs> Because of its extraordinarily high mortality rate. Yeah. <laughs> at some point, at some point, what's there left to remove? Yeah. Yeah. Cause of death, multiple extractions. Yeah. The, the good news well, is, I'm is not, that the- I'm not depressed anymore because yeah, I'm really. dead. Exactly. Yeah. It took care of that. The good news is that the, co the coffin uh, weighed hardly anything. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I just love like, you know, that poor bastard on like day seven of the treatment. Well, let's see. How about the gallbladder? Yeah. <laughs> Go in. Wow, what a quiz! Well, thank you so much for arranging that for us. Yeah. When you come on our show, we'll we'll get a quiz in uh, in your field and see how you do. Uh, yeah. And I don't mean to sound that as threatening <laughs> as it just came out. Like, yeah, we'll see. Come on to our turf, we'll buddy. We'll give you something to quiz about. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure to get to, to get to know our neighbor John Moe. I'm so glad to have met the neighbors. I here I brought yeah. I brought over some hot dish for you. Oh gosh! You know, always oh, ring a doorbell with your elbow. This is what they say when you're meeting new neighbors because you're okay. holding a hot dish. In your hand, so you got to ring. That makes sense. Oh, that makes sense. That's so nice. That's such a nice Midwestern thing. Yeah. Um, uh, to make it a real Minnesota thing, after we hang up, I'll say terrible things about you both behind your back. Oh, there we go. Yeah. That's yeah. also a Korean thing, by Is the it? way. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, all, I'm afraid all I have to offer uh, now that you've come over is um, <laughs> pistachio shells. Mm. <laughs> a delicacy. I could yeah. make those into sad tap shoes. <laughs> So, Jay Keith and Helen, tell tell the, the listeners of Depression Mode and the listeners of the world in general how to find out more about your show. 
Well, you can go to gofactorpod.com if you want to go and listen to our show at our website and find out about our previous guests or in your favorite podcast feed, just look up Go Fact Yourself. Uh, We come out twice a month, uh, the first and third Friday of every month. And uh, Helen, what else should we what else should we, they know? We encourage people to say our show title with gusto. Go yes. fact yourself. <laughs> yes, nice. and be very be, be, make sure you articulate the fact uh, even more so if you want to keep your you know what you can friends. go fact yourself. <laughs> you buddy. definitely can. And John, where can people find uh, Depression Mode? Which, by the way, great title. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was the one that made my wife laugh the most, so that's the one that we had to go with. Um, they can find wherever they find their podcasts or at the Maximum Fun site. Just you know, Google Depression Mode with John Moe, and you can find out more about it. We come out every week on Monday mornings. Start the week off with uh, with your mental health and uh, finding out fascinating things about the mental health of others and. We tackled different issues related to it. We had a recent back-to-school episode. We've got an episode coming up about the the horrible wreckage that depression can cause to uh, sex in a relationship between two people. It's uh, it can get brutal, and so we. Yeah. It's the least <laughs> sexy episode we've ever done. <laughs> well, what I think what our listeners and your listeners have in common is a, is a love of uh, interesting people talking about interesting things. And I know we've go. got a lot of guests who've been on both of our shows. Yep. So if you hear one guest on one of our shows, check out that guest on the other show. Uh, you're going to get a whole different side of them. Yep, yep. That's well, give people the full treatment. These guests won't know what's happening by the time we're both done. <laughs> the old one two. Yeah. All right. J. Keith Van Stratton and Helen Hong, thank you so much. Thank John you for Mo, having us. Thank you so much. It was so, so fun to get to talk with you. Thank you. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye. Bye.